Welcome back to another episode, and please help me introduce my guest, or in some cases, welcome her back into the fold in this crazy universe we're all in. Miss Melissa Beck, how are we doing? Hello, how are you? <clears throat> I'm doing good. I'm sure you're glad I didn't say Howard. No, you can say, listen. Um, <laughs> no, I I'm see the sure, I'm sure uh, Mercy's daughter. It's okay. I'm glad uh, to be Melissa Howard. It's just that I'm very particular about following um the proper formats and if a woman is married and she's taken her husband's name it should be my name and then n-e-e -E, howard but you know listen i'm just a stickler but i'm used to it too you know because i've been on the d-list for a very long time and they've never gotten my name right they've never gotten my height right they never gotten where i live right nothing's ever right which i kind of like so it's fine yeah <laughs> you got you gotta love that one meme though. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about on Twitter when it was uh, Bart Simpson drawing Melissa Beck, Melissa Beck, Melissa Beck. Oh, I loved that one. I will. It said, um, "I will respect Melissa Beck's husband," oh, which was right. like a really nice compliment. So I was like, "Oh, thank you," because you know, in early 2000s, I didn't have a dental plan. I got my hair cut at like Super Savers, like so. You know, it's been a little bit of a glow up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i always ask my guests um those that are now resurfacing what it was like now having the added press and social media something that maybe didn't exist back when you were on your original show how has that been for you adjusting to it now um that is a really good question i have to tell you uh when the producers first approached us about availability and interest in this show like, you know, I've been asked to go on several challenges or whatever, but I've, I, I don't do them, not because I'm, you know, opposed to getting paid by being on TV, but I'm not an athletic person. I don't, I'm not jumping off of buildings and doing whatever. Also, my teeth are really expensive. Like, what if one broke? Um, <laughs> but also another reason why you don't just go willy nilly on television is because social media is real. And we had the added safety benefit having gone on the show originally many, many moons ago. Like a really long time ago. Yeah. Um, there wasn't Twitter. There wasn't like real time conversation about what you're seeing. So if you wanted to get information, if you wanted to see what people were saying about you, you had to make an effort to log in to a message board dedicated to talking about people on the show. And if you did that, you had only yourself to blame if you had your feelings hurt. These days now, it's like the tweets are just, the, I call the tweets the streets. The streets is wild. Like they're gonna let you know how they feel about you and I like, you had mentioned in our little pre-interview when you were discussing, you know, doing this episode, you were like, yeah, they were like, they said you look like a school teacher in your black turtleneck. Hence, thank you for paying homage in your black turtleneck. <laughs> I showed up with my uniform on, so. I love that. I think that's, listen, I'm show, I, I, I showed up in an incendiary New York shirt because, let me take a moment to shout them out, shout out to Long Island Hardcore. <laughs> an incendiary has someone Asian in it. Asian person in a hardcore band I also respect and I rock with. So anyway, I would have worn my turtleneck, but also I'm getting roasted for it. So I thank you for wearing yours. Yeah, I feel my like that, that was a nice piece of solidarity. Thank I'm you. I'm glad I could be of service. <laughs> oh, yeah. So you were talking about being, you know, getting roasted, uh, teacher, social media. Yes. So that's so, you know, part of my hesitation in going back on to the show, any show for that matter, is that, you know, people have access to you in ways that they didn't have access to you before. And it's just like, Twitter is might as well be your front porch. Like people are going to let you know how they feel about you. And if you are a person that lives a relatively private life, that can be scary. There's some kind of, you know, trepidation in that. But I love Twitter. Twitter is kind of like my medium. I love it. I think it's fun. And it's, 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 it requires like kind of a, uh, a, a, a word smith way of communicating so I, I personally love it if it was up to me i would only do tweets i wouldn't even do no instagram because instagram is pictures i don't really like pictures 
It's kind of funny how uh, Twitter and Instagram differ from each other. Twitter is kind of like the transparent capital of the world when it comes to social media. Because that's like what you're really thinking. And then Instagram is like what you want people to think you're doing or thinking. I feel. but Yes. There are, two, you know, it's like, it's like you are on your LinkedIn. You're, but on your LinkedIn, you're in your turtleneck. Oh, yeah. 100%. On your Instagram, you don't have a shirt on. Yeah. So... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I see. I see the value in the different services, but I also feel like for me, um, I I try to use both platforms in as authentic a way as possible. So um, you're gonna get me the way that I want to share me, and so that was very scary going into homecoming because part of why I became so private after my original showing was that I realized, oh, I, I really thought I wanted to be famous. And I was like, I don't think I like being famous. <laughs> what maybe about not being famous didn't you like? What did I not? What do you mean? Like what maybe caused you to step away, I guess, oh, from okay. the public eye? Like what scared you about um, it? You know what? I first went on the show, I'll be honest, I, and I say this to, to anybody that asks me about real world is, you know, how'd you get on the show? Do you like the show? A lot of times, you know, people that go on reality shows, there's this sense of like, for some reason saying that you didn't want to be on the show necessarily, but I feel like that's silly. Like, but you were on it. Why are we pretending we didn't want to be on it? I wanted to be on real world. I mm. loved real world. I am a person that grew up with MTV in my household as the barometer of what was going on in the world. So back in the day, MTV was the channel. And I watched Real World religiously. And um, yeah, I still to this day think that it is an important piece of um, not just pop culture, just American culture. So uh, I wanted to be on it. I, I understood what going on it would mean, like in terms of, the world is going to see you. What I didn't get was the the permanence of that. So I didn't understand that. Wow, I'm going to be 22 year old Melissa from the real world for a really long time if I do this. And so coming off of the show, I kind of had a, a weird duality. So I was Melissa from the real world and I was Melissa Howard trying to figure out how to navigate being Melissa from the real world. So I had to kind of compartmentalize my life. So it was a private life and then a front facing life. And I could be in my private life, minding my business, buying tampons, going to the dentist, doing whatever it is that I do in my private life. And someone in the outside world would then say, oh, you're Melissa from the real world. So now I have to kind of zip into being Melissa from the real world, which isn't necessarily bad because I, you know, I, I think that you have to have a level of respect for like how and why people know you. I understand that people love the show. Like the show was valuable and important to people and it was valuable and important to me. And I like, I want to respect that. And in a way I kind of belong to the world in that way. Yeah. But like when I'm, when I'm me minding my business, doing my thing, I like to just be me minding my business, doing my thing. But I also get that Melissa from the real world is a thing and she was a good thing. It was a good thing. It was a cool thing that happened in my life, but it, I, I, I didn't want to be that forever. And I am her forever, but still. <laughs> but, but there was like no specific event that occurred that maybe wanted you to step away. Like, was there, did you experience any, like, maybe if you're going for like a job and something comes up where you're like, I recognize you, you were on that show. Thanks. Keep moving. Oh yeah. There's, anything no like going, that? The, there's no going for a job. There's no going for a job. What's yeah. Job? Like what, like, really think about it. What job could I have gotten coming fresh off of the real world? Like, your choices after com after being on the real world are to continue to do television. Because what am I going to do? Go back to Florida and work at a law firm doing nursing home litigation? Because that's what I was doing beforehand, which isn't bad. But also, yeah. like, you can't, it's like this weird thing where you feel like you have to... Um, you have to do something with the opportunity. So there was, a, there was a, I think maybe like a six year stretch after the show where I was in LA and I was going on auditions and I was, I, I, I did stand up briefly. What? Um, oh, I could see that. 
Oh, I hope you, you didn't. <laughs> really? really? You strike me like you could, you know, come up with some good jokes. Um. Oh, yeah, I wrote the shit out some jokes. Oops, is this a show where we can guess? Go ahead, yes. Oh, sorry. You have free reign to do so. <laughs> um, no, no, you're fine. Go ahead. No, you know, I, uh, I, I had some jokes. I had some good jokes. I was killing it. I had a whole series of jokes about uh, jackass versus... Um, black ass. I was like, black people ain't doing no jackass. <laughs> anyway, it, it was a whole thing, and I set it up. Whatever, yeah. it was good. It was all MTV specific comedy. Blah blah blah. It, it was good while it was good, but then also like inside my body, there was like a level of anxiety that I could not handle. And I was like, I don't think it's normal for your body to feel like this all the time. I don't think it's normal for your body to feel like it's literally melting from the inside out. This can't be normal. Is this anxiety? Am I like anxious? Is this happening? So like. I had to put my like health first, uh, but it was a good run. I had a great time um, in LA when I was there. I really truly enjoyed um, all of the opportunities that opportunities that came my way as a result of being on the rural. But I also like, you know, there was still always a part of me inside that was like, is this really what I'm supposed to be doing? I don't know. Maybe you've interviewed a lot of real world people. I'm sure that you've heard the sentiment yeah. over and over. 100%. I mean, I deal very closely with like the same situations. And I think like it's a recurring thing, maybe not in all cases, but after a while, people appreciate being unknown after being in front of public eye for so long. Like, you almost appreciate like, quietness and peace, mm -hmm. you know, once mm -hmm. you're eventually gone from it. But um, did those opportunities, because I know this was a big question, everybody wanted to me to ask you about the Chelsea Handler thing. Did that come through the real world, or how was that uh, originally? Um, I actually auditioned to be on, Chelsea Handler and I were on the same show. It was called Girls Behaving Badly. And at the time, they were wanting to do an all-girl comedy show in the style of, um, you know, a prank show. And I had auditioned, um, you had to come in with a few of your own bits. Uh, and I auditioned and booked it, which was crazy because, wow. you know, like you go in as you go in, listen, I'll tell you how it really goes. You go in as a person from the real world and as weird as it is, as, as, as popular as that show is, you would think that that would be a foot in the door, but it's actually not. Like oh, no. Act, acting in uh, reality TV don't go hand in hand. Yeah. Right. So, like, there's kind of, like, this weird um, uh, obstacle that you've created for yourself where you have visibility. You have, like, a weird notoriety, but you're not taken seriously for the things you want to do. I mean, I'm, I, listen, there have been people in this franchise that have done great, and I'm, like, so proud of them. And I'm, I'm rooting for everybody on Real World who goes on to, to take this to the top. Like, at Jamie Chung... Go ahead, girl. That Miz. Go ahead, boy. I like get so proud of you know people that have been able to take this opportunity and either reinvent completely to where nobody on a red carpet has asked them about no damn real world, or where they're like, yeah, real world was a part of my thing. Real world is what got me here. I I like totally love and respect that. And like, it's hard to explain to other people that it's such a weird insular little group to be in. But like, we are a weird little family and although I'm not connected to all of them in in those ways I'm like proud of them when I see them going on and like you know um hopping into the machine and uh monetizing it for themselves because yeah. there's also a piece of it where you know we weren't given opportunities like the Jersey Shore people we weren't we weren't the hills for some reason that didn't happen even though Jersey Shore is just the same thing, real, essentially. Real world, but Italians. Like, you know? Like, <laughs> it's true. It's true. So, like, every time I look at Snicky, I'm like, man, girl, I'm proud of you. I don't know why. I'm not a multimillionaire, but I'm proud of you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting. I, I, I feel like it's hard to talk about um, the aftermath of the show without sounding weird and bitter, and I'm not at all. It just, you know, after six years in the grind of, we love you, you're so funny, you're so cute, but you're you. Um, you know, you're just like, okay, well. Uh. And this is the acting you're talking about? 
Um, I went out for a lot of, listen, I'm no actor. I, the only person I know how to act like is damn Elizabeth. So, um, you know, I went out for like Taco Bell commercials and JCPenney commercials. And um, I was trying to get like commercial, national commercial money. You know, like I wanted to be, dude, you're getting a Dell. There was this computer company called Dell. Oh, oh, the computer. Okay, yes. Dell, the computer. Okay, gotcha. Um, there was a computer co company called Dell, and there was this, like, their commercial, the campaign for their commercials. Dude, you're getting a Dell, and it was a big deal to get a Dell laptop. Anyway, the guy that booked that, you know what? You should interview him, actually. I would love to hear his take on what his fame did to his life, because he was the dude you're getting a Dell guy. That's kind of like what it's like to be on reality TV. Is that you're forever this one random person, but like forever, but he got paid. See, that's the difference. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so what do you think about how reality TV's evolved? You know, I was talking about it with the L.A. cast. We talk about how conversations that happened back when you guys were doing your thing aren't taking place these days. We're not seeing real conversations, people from different walks of life. We're kind of seeing, and I use this analogy, we're seeing on reality TV now, it's almost like it's taken on a form of social media, but in an artificial conversation setting. Like, we don't talk about, like, real problems, you know? What, what, what is, like, your thoughts maybe on how reality TV has evolved? I think that reality TV as a genre has become strictly entertainment. So, like, if mm -hmm. you want reality TV old school, you need to go fire up a documentary, right? Because they're yeah. not the same. If you want to watch a reality TV show like the Housewives franchise, like um, my personal favorite, I love um, Married at First Sight. I love anything ridiculous over the top. I like it. I like, um, what's that one on Netflix? The Circle. The Circle. I love The Circle. Where they're like, The Circle actually is one of the first reality shows that's about how you present on social media. So like you're basically talking to either a real person or a troll. I love that. So like, I get it. And I'm a person that enjoys reality TV, despite having gone on it and kind of like understanding what goes on behind the scenes. I genuinely love it. I'm, I'll be the first girl Vanderpump rules. That was my shit. Um, I love, all, no, actually Vanderpump Rules was my shit when they were still poor. And then they became real famous <laughs> people. It wasn't interesting anymore. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, I, I dabble in it. I love it. I watch it. Would I be on it again? Mm. Mm. Well, actually, technically you are on it again. Just wanted to preface. I am on it again, but this is a limited run. It's, it's how many episodes did they tell you it's going to be? I haven't even told anything. Oh, well, then me, we're in the same boat then, because I don't know nothing either. Okay. Well, this boat's <laughs> about to sink. <laughs> <laughs> so how did this uh, recoming about come to be? Um, like, when you pitched this idea of this homecoming, how straightforward was your decision? And maybe what were some obstacles that led you to making the decision to come back? Um... I actually was very excited when Paramount announced Real World Homecoming New York because, like I said, I watched the show. I love the show. And, um, you know, Norman Corby, Heather B. Eric. Eric. Becky Blasband. Like, I know who those people are in my mind, you know, like they become friends in your head. And I watched that show. So I was very curious to see who these people would become. I thought the premise of the show was fantastic. But you have to think about it as the first real world New York, if they had a homecoming, it's really the the only one that's the true homecoming because they were the original first guinea pigs with the, this concept. So like once you start branching out and doing it two and three times, like they did, you know, LA and New Orleans, like, we now have, we had the opportunity to watch it firsthand to then understand what it was going to be to go into it. And when I watched it, I really enjoyed Real World Homecoming New York. I thought it was a really nice walk down memory lane. I thought it was a really um, interesting reflection on, you know, who people become after mm -hmm. we've seen who they were as young people. I thought it was great. For some reason in my mind, I don't know why. I mean, Kelly calls me an oracle. 
I don't know why, but I just felt like they're going to call us. And I, there was no reason for me to think that. But I was like, I got to get my mind right. I got to I got to get my mind right for if they call us and start thinking about what it would mean for me to do this. If they were like, do you guys want to do this? And I'm not even kidding you. Four or five months later, I got a phone call from a number I never got before. And it was just like, hi, it was them calling, you know, the MTV people. And they're like, your name's been put in the hat to be put on a homecoming show, this, that, and the other. And I was like, wow, wow. Because why would you go all the way to episode nine or season nine, you know? Two to nine is a big, uh, big it's jump. A big, it's a big jump. But I, I also understand why it had to be that way. Well, it was told, we were told that it was that way because they, 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 they tried to tell us that it was because I'm not going to get you in trouble. No, so. no, no, no. I'm just making a face because in my mind, I'm like, I don't think that's necessarily <laughs> the actual truth, but go ahead. Wait, what do you think is the actual truth? I just think they couldn't get all the other seasons to co-sign, and that's why they got you guys. But that's just me being realistic. Not that they, not that people wouldn't want to see you guys, but to say that, like, we like you guys so much, we're just going to skip over seven seasons. No, but. Oh, so when they called me and said that, I said, who said no? <laughs> well, then you and I are on the same page, then. Yeah, 100%. And so, um, but it's fine. Whatever. Yeah. Listen. Everybody that's on this show is now in their 50s. Like, we're old. Right. Like, I'm yeah. an old lady. I, mm -hmm. I, when we hang up here, I'm going to go upstairs. I'm going to do the dishes. I'm going to pour myself a cup of coffee. I'm going to uh, fold some laundry. I'm going to watch a show about people getting murdered. I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I'm, I'm going to put on some Tiger Bomb. Like, I'm an old person. So, like, why would I be watchable television is, is my first question. And then if I was watchable television, like, what, what do I really have to talk about or say or offer to the world now as my 45 year old boring self like today i spent the whole day at sherwin williams picking out exterior house paint i'm not a fun person you know what i mean yeah but um <laughs> you know they said come back girl and i was like uh. but part of coming back is like kind of having a level of respect for the other six parties who are also entertaining this idea and they established early on that if they don't get all seven there's no show i don't know if that's true but that's what i was told i believe i that part i believe because i just think if they can't get at least seven they wouldn't do it la had two opt-outs but luckily they had replacements so they were able to kind of uh you know Fill in the gaps a little bit. So I do believe that. But I, In hindsight, though, I think that they could have still done the show if I would have said no. It's fine. It would have been fine. Uh, I don't know about <laughs> that. No, I, listen, there are ways around it. So are you insinuating you almost didn't do it? It took me a very long time to decide to do it, yes. It took me a very long time. And... At the end of the day, it it boiled down to who am I to ruin this opportunity for other people? Who am I to... I, I also felt like if there is an interest in this, in that sense, I kind of belong to the world in that way. And if I'm going to do it, I need to get my mind right and I need to participate in a way that is asked of me and they do respect the process of going on there. And so there was a lot in the decision. Listen, when the show is done and wrapped and it goes off the air and Paramount doesn't know who I am anymore and they take my little blue checks away, I'm going to be okay because I enjoy my private life. But now that we're in it, we're on the cusp of it coming out. I feel like my best bet is to embrace it, have fun with it, which I have been, if you've been reading my tweets, Listen, I'm having a great time walking down memory lane with the people who this show matters to. And um, and I do feel like it's going to be a nice little, you know, piece of closure. Right. Which I feel like that should be the ultimate goal, right? For people coming back to this is closure. But um, where do you feel like your headspace is at mentally now, having obviously gotten done doing it versus how maybe when you came off the show back then? Oh, so 2022 versus 2000? 
Yeah, like where is like your I guess mental health space at in, in that regard? Because it's it's definitely a different process, I would say now because everybody knows what like the concept of the show is versus back then. You're young, naive. You're like this seems normal. Um, that is a really well. First, I have to give you the background. I'm not a I'm I'm not an okay person. I'm 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 a little nuts. Um, <laughs> I'm a little weird, you know, for sure. Um, <laughs> um, you know what? I'll put it to you like this. Uh, in year 2000, I was a 22-year-old who really, really wanted to be on the show. And so I was at the mercy of the people who had the power to put me there. And in year 2022, I'm a 44-year-old uh, being asked to come back. So the dynamic has changed. Changed, um, right. Um, my mental health space, after I got off the show initially, when I was young, I was pumped. I was so excited. I remember the trailer came out. I was walking down Sunset Boulevard. Someone immediately recognized me. And I was like, hold on, am I an actual famous person? I loved it. I thought it was awesome. And then the show started and it just kept going and going. And every day there was more pieces of me and I was watching me for the first time. Because, you know, it's like, well, we, we're both podcasters. So, you know, how it's gross sometimes when you're you're editing your show and you're like, oh, why did I say that? Why, why does my voice do that? Yes. Yes. And you're like so grossed out by yourself. Right. <laughs> So imagine that exponentially worse week to week watching yourself be a nutbag on national television and then being like, I'm going to be this person for a really long time. Holy crap. But also I have to be this person because I need to pay my bills. Oh no. So you kind I kind of had to like, figure out how to move in that space and I did okay I did okay for the first like two or three years then you know year four year five year six and I was like "Uh, I'm getting older and weirder and I feel like I need to address this anxiety that I'm having about being out in the world and people knowing who I am like that was kind of creepy um Hmm. but now I have a support system. I have my husband, I have my kids, I have my house, and I have my private life. And I don't be going outside. You know, it's a pandemic. I don't be outside. I don't do that. Yeah. I stay in my masks were the best thing that ever happened to me. I love a mask. I love staying in the house. I love a lockdown. I love a vaccine. I just like to be in a house. So um, mentally where I'm at is, you know, I have little mini spirals here and there because I don't like the unknown part of this. But I also feel like it'll be well received. Um, I also am my own person. I have my own voice. So the Twitter is going to always be there. If someone wants to pop off and say I did something, I can explain it. You've got an army on there from what it looks like. (laughs) God, this is like, this is like, I mean, I know Easter's a couple weeks away, but it's like you're like the second coming of Christ on that app. It's (laughs) just like, (laughs) I doubt that. I doubt that. Listen. The, the the 17 people that like like my tweets, I want to say shout out to them. Thank you so much. I feel like, you know, we're doing good work together. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and I think like you just obviously talked about getting recognized a lot. I feel like Vegas, um, which was, I believe, two seasons after you guys. Don't quote me on that. Um, was like the season that gets all like the credit, like, oh, this is the one that really got in the press. But you guys, I think, were like the first season that was really when the show started getting mainstream. Did it feel like that when you came off the show? Yes, it did. You know why? Because year 2000, when we came off the show, that was the first year that Survivor premiered. Oh, right. Um, And so reality TV as a genre started to be taken seriously. The only difference was I think reality TV sort of took a weird turn because it it added this competitive element. So at the time that real world, my real world was coming out, there was, you know, like the survivors, there was the big brothers. There was even like things like Fear Factor. Remember Joe Rogan on Fear Factor? Um, There was an element there where it was like, oh, 
this is an actual real genre that we should take seriously. I think before then, we were kind of like, it felt like we were really a documentary. And then now it's like, this is entertainment, pure and simple, plain entertainment. So yeah, I, I, I think that the, the difference between my show and Vegas is Vegas was coming out into the world when reality TV was like taken seriously as a real formidable money making machine. Yeah. Yeah. You guys kind of blurred the lines though. I feel like because Vegas, if I'm being honest, was kind of like the, when the show started taking the direction of like, okay, this is like a party hookup scene basically. Um, whereas like you guys, you know, you had like your partying obviously, but you still had like the real conversations and everything that went on. And now I feel like Jersey Shore kind of secretly just rode Vegas's coattails once, uh, once that genre was established, that's what I genuinely feel like. I feel like when Jersey Shore first hit the scene, they were just like the the Guido Vegas real world. Are you allowed to say that? Well, I'm Italian, so I think I get a pass. Oh, you said I'm allowed. Okay. okay. And I'm also I also grew up in Jersey, so. Oh, he said, "Oh yeah, that's my people. I can do that." Okay, good. I was just making sure I didn't want you to get canceled. Um. <laughs> Would I get canceled for that? I don't even know. Thanks for looking out, though. Hey, listen, I live on Long Island. There's things you can't say. Okay. Um, no, I, you can say whatever you want. It's fine. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, no, yeah, I see. I, I definitely see what you're saying. And, and, and I think with New Orleans, we did have a few, you know, we had, we, Danny became the face of a major political moment. Don't Ask, Don't Tell was a very big deal at that time. And it was a huge, um, position and responsibility for him as a 20 something year old to be put in. So like, yeah, I still, I, I think that new Orleans kind of because of that. And we, it also, you know, we had discussions on religion and we had discussions on racism. You know, we had a cute little show. It, there was some fun stuff in there, but there was also some heavy discussion. Uh, I, I have not revisited the show. I didn't, I didn't watch the show over to go back on homecoming. I just, uh -oh. went in there. I just raw dogged it. I just went in there like, yeah, give it to me. Show me what you want to show me. It was well, scary. Why didn't you go back and rewatch it? Just like, didn't, like watching yourself back? Because that's a normal thing for a human, I feel like. In some cases, my case at least, I don't watch myself back. But I don't either. Listen, I, when we put out a podcast episode, I, 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 in the editing process, I can listen to it like three or four times. And after the fourth time, I'm like, just put it out. I don't care anymore because I can't hear my voice anymore. I can't do it. I, I couldn't rewatch the show. This is just pure vanity, dead ass. Girl, the fashions were wrong. The teeth was off. The hairstyle. Why do I have a high top fade? Why did I do that? Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I felt like I had a lot of time with it. I sat with it for a long time. I was in it. For like six or seven years after the show, you know, doing speaking engagements and being Melissa from the real world, there was no reason for me to revisit that. I know that girl. I love that girl. I love that little girl. She 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 meant a lot to me, but also she's good. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like this is right in your wheelhouse then, since you're talking to a fellow stranger. Um, why don't you tell people about uh, your podcast? Oh, thank you so much for this lovely opportunity to promote my work. Um <laughs> As you know, start of the pandemic, uh, I was a guest on this woman Amanda's podcast. Amanda had started a podcast called Your Mom Has a Podcast. And she, interestingly enough, had been reading my blog after the after the real world, I started a blog called Princess Melissa. And I kept my I kept my writing up for for a long time. Um, and so she had followed me. She saw me on the show, but she followed me mostly for my writing. Anyway, mm -hmm. uh, she wanted to interview me about my, you know, how I feel about motherhood, this and that. And um, we just hit it off. But also, I had a lot of technical issues. As you can see, that's the thing that I do. It's a oh, really? Thing. I would have never <laughs> guessed. I had a lot of technical issues. So after we recorded our first episode, we had to do it again. She's like, I'm so sorry. I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm terrible. So we had to do it again. But then we just started chatting, I guess. I don't know. Am I a chatterbox? I, I don't know. I, I kind of get to talking to people. Yeah. And so it kind of just was like a fun conversation. And then 
as we were like figuring it out, I said, you know what, we should do another episode about this topic. We should do another episode about this topic. And then we started, we kept talking. And then it was like, actually, she and I came to the conclusion that I think this show is about two strangers getting to know each other. And I was like, oh, weird. I have some kind of expertise in getting to know strangers. Um, and then the lockdown happened. It wasn't really a lockdown because nobody locked down. If anybody did really lock down, we wouldn't still be in a pandemic. But don't get me started on COVID. Um, the lockdown started and I said, you know what? What's the worst that could happen? Let's do a podcast. And we did. I'm going into my fifth season. We have 80 episodes in the can. If you want to watch, if you want to listen to them, you can find them anywhere you listen to podcasts. So we are on Apple. Do you guys chat with actual strangers or is, are you two the imperfect strangers and you just talk about topics? No, actually, it's the, the show is we get on a landline and it, we, it's it's two women getting to know each other for the first time. So the tagline is kind of like uh, it's it's us getting to know each other while everybody gets. If you like eavesdropping, this is the show for you because it's two people getting to know each other. So, you know, what? One, in one of the first episodes, I discovered that she doesn't wash her chicken. We ended up having a whole episode about whether you should wash your chicken. Do you wash your chicken before you cook it? Um, no. Mm, interesting. Do you? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, it seems like you guys carved a little bit of a niche because I feel like that's, these aren't things that like people, you know, would normally just be like, you know what? I think I want to do a podcast about whether or not we wash our chicken. Let's go do that. So kudos <laughs> to you making something out of, uh, you know, nothing. <laughs> I guess you could say that. It's a niche. It's a, well, you and I both know about this niche thing. We're both kind of around the same time when we started this podcasting thing. So, so your, your podcast is about to experience his birthday, correct? Yes, in three weeks exactly from tomorrow. Congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you. What are you getting my podcast for his birthday? Uh, this interview. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. I'm not one to ask for presents. Okay. Anyways. TV aspirations. Did you have them? Did you not before trying out for uh, real world? Um, I was actually in journalism school. Okay. So my biggest hope when I was in my 20s was I don't, I wanted to write for this magazine called Sassy Magazine. I know that sounds so ridiculous, but Sassy Magazine back in my day was like the it girl magazine. It was bigger than the other ones. It was glossy. There was a um, section in it called uh, Cute Band Alert. Uh, Chloe Sevigny was a major part of it before she was famous. Um, anyway, it was like a cool girl magazine, and I wanted to write for it really bad. So when I started college, I went to journalism school. I had no aspirations and really no business going on TV with the way that I had no dental plan. So, um <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, Never the I, optimistic I, one, are you? <laughs> no, I had all, all, my focus was on writing. And I actually, you know, I went on to the show and writing was not part of, you know, who I was on the real world. But after the show, I ended up writing a blog. I was an early blogger. I don't know if you know that. If you looked up my Wikipedia, I was an early blogger and I had a blog called Princess Melissa. I would just do, you know, slice of life commentary, but I also would um, do episode recaps of the one challenge that I did. And so that got a lot of attention, which has been really weird because now that I'm on social media publicly and people are able to talk to me directly, they're like, Melissa, I read your blog. And it's just like blowing my mind that people read my blog, but they did. But this was before yeah. like Prez Hilton, Pink is the new blog. It was before all that. I was just like blogging, not knowing that it was blogging. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like I'm, aging myself but also kind of like pretending i'm an icon somehow <laughs> or like some kind of visionary <laughs> was your pro what was your process like though um how many maybe interviews did you go on oh to get on the show yeah oh wow so back in the day i don't know do you know what a um vhs cassette is yes do you know what a camcorder is? Yeah, I have an idea. Wow. 
you've never seen a camcorder or you know held a camcorder well no <laughs> but i've like this has been told before so i have an idea wow okay so he he's frantically under the table google's camcorder no um uh back in the day you used to watch the show and the show would marathon they would marathon the shit out of the show after the season finale so i i used to just sit there and watch the marathon and at the end of the marathon it would say do you have what it takes to be on the real world and it would be this commercial to show you like if you do um you it would say on it would tell you to send your tape in so in order to make a tape you had to get a camcorder and make a tape of yourself so i remember I borrowed a camcorder from this girl at work. She was a really nice girl. She was the daughter of the lawyer for the firm that I worked for. I used to work in medical records. And so I was a low, I, I was at a low level medical records job. And so the daughter of the lawyer who owned the firm, she had everything. I was like, girl, can I borrow your camcorder? I did. Uh, I sat on the couch in my little apartment that I shared with my literal high school college best friend. I recorded it. I sent it in on the law, the lawyer's dime. I stole it. I went in the mailroom was like, can you send this off like one day? So it was like a lot of money to send it one day because I was like right at the deadline. Sorry. You know what? I should pay that man back. I should pay that man back. That's $24. Residuals. <laughs> Oh, wouldn't it be nice if we got residuals? <laughs> Don't yeah. put us out there. What a shame. Um, I sent a tape in, and then a person called me back in two days, which was really weird. I was like, hold on. You get thousands of tapes, and you're calling me back. I got a very big head about how great I was, and the interview process started. So it's four months of interview. So, And you get to – they call them rounds. So if you pass this round, you go to the next round. So then it's – they talk to you some more and then it's fill out this 20 page questionnaire. And, you know, remember I told you my background wasn't writing. So I was like real flowery with it. And I was like making jokes on my little application. Um, and then uh, you go to another open call, like far away from you. So they really want to see like how bad you want it. So the next casting, the next step was for me to go to Miami where other people would be. And then I make it to Miami, blah, 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 whatever. The point is, it's a long interview process. And then at the end, they tell you whether or not you get on the show. By the time I got to the uh, to L.A., to actual Buna Murray Productions, they told me that it was between, that that they really wanted me to be on road rules. That they, they really wanted me to be on road rules. And I was like, that's cute, but I'm not going to be on road rules. But thank you for the opportunity. Because I don't, what do you mean? Exercising? <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah. Well, I think it worked out. It worked out. It worked out. And and I think too that Danny had the same situation where they offered him road rules and he was like, nah, cool, thanks. So yeah. the stars aligned. <laughs> so you you obviously seem like you weren't really into that kind of like stuff, but you did that one challenge, right? The battle sex is one. Yes, I did. Well, so what happened was, what had happened was, um, I had just booked Girls Behaving Badly with Chelsea Handler. Before Chelsea Handler was Chelsea Handler, she was, she was big, but she, she got huge. She yeah. Got, you know, Chelsea Handler is like an actual celebrity. Like Chelsea Handler does not know who I am. She doesn't, remember Chelsea, I was on the show with you. She'd be like, I don't know who you are. Um, she's like a real famous person. I wonder if now that I have a blue check, I could find out which. Nah, she don't know who I am. Anyway, <laughs> I had just booked Girls Behaving Badly. And at the time, my manager was like, the challenge is calling. Do you want to do it? And I was like, not really. I, I, I'm i terrible. I can't swim. Um, I, I, I would go for what? You know? And back then, it was you got a little teeny bit of money. And that was the money unless you won the shit. And it was like not much money. So I was like, I don't really want to do that. And my manager at the time was like, no, you're doing it because I know that you want to get away from being Melissa from the real world, but you're kind of going to be with Melissa from the real world, regardless whether or not you do this. So go on the show and then you'll have two shows on the air at the same time. So it was kind of like a, let's, let's oversaturate the world with Melissa and make them love you. You know, manager talk. Yeah. So my manager had me go. And I went and oddly enough, stayed until the end, but I didn't stay until the end because I had some kind of like 
you know, athletic prowess. I stayed until the end because they forgot to vote me off. Do you have any memories from that show that, like, distinctly stick out when you just remember your time on that show? Oh, yeah. Listen, Jamaica was a wonderful time. I was high as hell. And we ain't allowed to say that. But um, Eric Nice, which I saw that you're going to be interviewing him tomorrow. So tell him I said hello. For sure. Um, Eric Nice used to wake up dead serious at 5 a.m., and there was this floating raft out on the water. And he would go out there and be doing his Tai Chi shit. And I was like, I would watch from where I was and like, you know, do it too, but not in the water because I can't swim. I remember that there was a there was a tree house that we used to all go in. Puck started going in. Puck started going in the tree house. <laughs> Puck used to take a boat and row it someplace far away off of the resort and come back with items. Like what, where did you get? He would trade, Red Stripe was I think one of the sponsors. So he would take cases of the beer that we got for free and row the boat to wherever he went and come back with like stuff that we weren't supposed to be having. And then we would all go in the treehouse. So I had a great time on that show. And the reason why they forgot to vote me off was because I was up in that treehouse. I was an arguing with people. So they, you know, when it came time to go into the inner circle or whatever the hell it was called back then, the gauntlet, what was it called? Inner circle. Yes. So when it came time to go in there and, you know, be like, well, this person said this about that person and this person failed at this mission. Everybody forgot about me and I made it all the way to the end. <laughs> well, that was back during a time in which the challenges were like fun. You know what I mean? Like, the, the rules weren't so strict. People were just enjoying their time there. The competitions weren't like like pretty much a sport, which is what it's taken on now. Hold on um, a second. The comp- let's not get crazy. There was one where I had to be on a trampoline, not a trampoline, a trapeze up in the sky on a scooter. That was hard. Yeah. There was one where I had to sit on a block of ice hella long. That was hard. Ooh, there was well, a those, that's, that's, also, that's also considered pretty fun, though. Like Those are the challenges that people enjoy to watch. The one Listen, with the ice. That was a terrible time. Uh, hypothermia is not awesome. I think I had frostbite on my buttocks for like three days. It was terrible. Um, but you know what? I had a great time in Jamaica. I did. I really did. I had no obstacles. I had no, you know, I had no beef with nobody after I handed a beef. You know what I'm I had a great time. <laughs> was Puck's wedding on that show? It was. Yes. Yes. And then I... After the challenge, babysat Puck's child one day. He's like, can you watch that kid? I was like, sure. Wow. Yeah, it's a weird insular world. Um, I, you know what? I have fond memories. You know, well, you want to know something crazy? I want to know something crazy. Did you know Tokyo, we now call him Tokyo, Mm -hmm. was on Battle of the Sexes? I did not. He was, when we were filming Homecoming, I don't know if I'm going to say, when we were filming Homecoming, you know, they say incoming message, and then they show us a montage of clips from back in the day. Uh Uh-huh. And he was in a clip from Battle of the Sexes, and I was like, hold on a second. We were on a show together? That's like, that's how long ago the show was. He was like, and when I had asked him, I think he even forgot he was on the show. I think he even forgot he went on the challenge. Wow. But my cast is actually one of the only casts where everybody on it has gone on a challenge, at least once. I think people thought that you liked Tokyo back in the day on your original show. Like, like, like? Yeah. Um, you know what? I wanted to I, I wanted to be friends with him, and he was not having it. But you'll have to see how that resolves itself. Obviously. By watching this show that comes out April 20th, streaming, only on Paramount+. Plus. <laughs> so you, how many times would you say where you were getting calls like to do challenges after you know your only one you did because they have like obviously now you know i'm sure that they've got all-star shows coming out now and stuff nor they, oh, yeah, they asked me to do that mm-hmm. really was those they like- asked me to do a lot of challenges and i, I always say no the last the, they asked me to do the all-stars one i got the parameters and i was like no i offered generously i said for the amount of money that you would pay me to quarantine um, and the guarantee for just showing up, 
I'll, I'll have that money and you just put me in a studio and I'll watch the challenge and make commentary. I offered that. They said no. Now that would be actually a pretty neat idea that they should take up. Have you seen my tweets? <laughs> you should, yeah, I mean. <laughs> come on, come on, come on. You know what you to do that? Could you ever see yourself in like a host role? Like sort of what I'm doing right now with you? Like if hypothetically like you were to host like a reunion or something? Could you see yourself? Um, I, try, I tried to do that too. Um, actually, on the prank show that I was on, I would be doing the pranks. And people would be in the middle of the prank like, hold on. Are you Melissa from the real world? Even though I just told them I was Patty the florist. Um, so I got put into a more hosting role for that show. Like I did all of the interstitials between packages. So it'd be like, coming up next on this prank of Palooza. <laughs> um, did you enjoy doing that? Do you feel like that yeah. maybe catered to uh, some of your strengths? I love, I, I love hosting. I love voiceover work. I did some of that for a little bit. Um, oh, no not way. This is awesome. But I did some, you know. That I love anything that you can do in your pajamas and get a check. That's the job I want to do. So, well, I mean, you're my looking. My best is it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not to wrap myself out, but I'm no joke in my turtleneck and my pajamas. 100%. That's why podcasting worked out really nicely because it's just like, well, you're weird. This part is weird. Why oh. are you doing it with the camera on? What? I said, you're oh, 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 well, we like niche. Well, YouTube is your niche. Yeah. You and you monetize your videos and all that, huh? Yep, I do. Okay, so there's going to be like a little T-Mobile commercial on this one or something. Yeah, T-Mobile sidekicks. Do you remember those? Yes. Which one do I remember? You don't want to don't know what a, a camcorder is. Of course I remember what a T-Mobile sidekick is. <laughs> now, why'd you have to check me like that? <laughs> Yeah. We were off on a really good foot up until this point. Come on now. But, um, yeah, I had a fun time chatting with you today. Um, okay. I thank you for coming by. If you guys want to check out her podcast, Imperfect Strangers, I will plug that in the description. And if maybe you had questions that weren't talked about, rest assured, there will be a show coming out in a few weeks, and I'm sure your questions will be answered on that. So, be sure to go check that out. Yeah, so if you guys want to go check that out on April the 20th, you'll see Melissa and the rest of her roommates for New Orleans Homecoming. Melissa, thank you again, and um, had a great time chatting. Thank you so much, Mike. Thank you so much for inviting me on your show, and congratulations again on um, the anniversary of your podcast. You should be proud. <laughs>